And the Lord said, I want to break the cycle of sin in 2010. If you weren't here in 2011, the, the word was experience him. And the Lord said, tap into heaven in 2011. If you weren't here in 2012, let me see your hands if you weren't here in 2012. Let me see your hands. Okay, so just so you know, the word for that year was to dig deep. And the Lord said, in my word, you will delve in 2012. 2013 was the year for application. And the Lord said, walking in my word will be seen in 2013. In 2014, how many of you weren't here in 2014? All right. 2014, this was a big year, and this was the year to get rid of excess baggage. I know several of you have told me that that was a defining moment, a defining year in your faith walk. And the Lord said, I'm calling my church to be lean in 2014. And 2015 was a year to rebuild the walls. And the Lord said, I'm calling you to work together like a machine in 2015. And 2016 was the year to have an encounter with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And the Lord said, I want the supernatural to be seen in 2016. And 2017 uh, was the year to grow. And the Lord said, I want you to have a greater understanding of in Him we live and move and have our being in 2017. In 2018, that was last year. Was there anyone that wasn't here last year? Let me see your hands. Okay, got some people back there. 2018 was the year for depth and clarity. And the Lord said, I want my, the revelation of my word to be seen in 2018. Drum roll, please. Come on, drummer over here. 2019, the word for this year is to rekindle the fire rekindle the fire. And the Lord said, I want your hunger and your desire for me to be seen in 2019. Yeah. Hallelujah. God wants us to rekindle the fire this year. You know, I, Vicky and I have a fireplace, a, a wood-burning fireplace in our home, and, and uh, you know, we love it when that fire is raging, don't we, hon? We just, you know, we'll even say to one another, look at that fire, you know. You know, it's just perfect. It's blazing, and, you know, it's, it's, it's got the perfect look. It's cool. It's cool. Um, you know, it's throwing out heat. We love it. Uh, but, but every now and then, you know, we, we get busy, and, and, you know, we forget about it, you know, or, you know, in another room working, and it kind of goes out, and, and we come back in, and, and, you know, we think, oh, we got to start all over, but but most of the time, most of the time, if we spend a little time and get some, get some tinder and some good kindling, um, we'll put it on those little embers that may be left, most of the time we can rekindle that fire and we can revive it, amen, and we can get it back to that, that raging, flaming fire in the fireplace. And, you know, not long, and all of a sudden, you know, it's just beautiful again. And that's the sense I have for our church. That's the sense I have for our church. I feel like I've noticed that in many Christians, the fire has died out or is barely burning. This is a similar problem that they had in the early church. We talked about a little bit the, about this last week. But in fact, John, going back to the book of Revelation, I said I would come back last week. 
going back to the book of Revelation, John the Revelator spoke about seven churches, and he listed in the first part of Revelations some of their qualities. They had qualities. How many of you know every church has good things going? But they also had weaknesses. How many of you know every church has weaknesses? This one especially, okay? We're the not-so-perfect church, just so you know. And I, uh, I'd be the first one to, to admit that, that I don't stand up here and try to pretend that I'm perfect, that I'm a perfect pastor, a perfect husband, perfect father, a perfect Christian, or any of that. I simply know that God is doing a work in me, and I long for him to continue that. Amen? And so you could say, you could say about our church where we've got some strengths and we've got some weaknesses. And he describes this, John the Revelator. He describes this in, in, in Revelations uh, chapters 1 and 2, or 2 and 3. He talks about the seven churches. But let's look at two letters today, if you will. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 7, he's writing to the church of Ephesus. And he says, write these things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works. You labor, your patience, and you cannot bear those who are evil. And you've tested those who say they're apostles but are not, and you've found them to be liars, and you've persevered and have patience. And you've labored for my namesake and not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have lost or left your what? Let's say this together. Your what? Your first love. You've lost or you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent. Everyone say repent. Repent and do the first works, or else I'll come quickly and remove your lampstand in its place. Unless you repent, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, even though the church of Ephesus had a lot going for it, they, they had great discernment. They were hard workers. They persevered. If you look back and see all the, all the qualities that they had, they had a lot going for it. There were still some problems that needed to be addressed. Amen? There were still some problems that needed to be addressed. And he said, you've lost, you've lost your first love. You've lost, somehow it's escaped you. And there's a problem that has to be addressed here. And now let's look at the second letter. These are the two letters we're going to look at today in the two churches. The second letter is written to the church at Laodicea, found in chapter 3, starting with verse 14. The words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Once again, I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold or cold nor hot, would that you would either be cold or hot, so because you are, what's that word? Because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will 
spit you out of my mouth. Wow. Now, how many of you know that's not a good thing? <laughs> not good. Everyone say not good. It's not a good thing. It, it, I don't know about you, but would you rather be spit up or well done? You know, all of us want to hear those words from our master when we go before him at the judgment seat of Christ. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of my kingdom. Amen? So would you rather hear well done or be spit up? Yeah. I'll spit you out of my mouth, for you say I'm rich and I have prospered, and I have need of nothing. In other words, I'm self-sufficient. I'm good. I have... I have need of nothing and not realizing that you're wretched and pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you might be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness will, will not be seen and, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and I discipline. So be zealous... And what? And repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God says to the churches question today is, do you have ears to hear? Do you have ears to hear? Or have we hardened ourselves to the point where these things no longer penetrate our heart when we read them and we're confronted with them? Do we have ears to hear? what the Spirit of God is saying to the church, I would, I would submit to you that there are some similarities between the Western church and the church at Laodicea and the church at Ephesus. Question for you today, those of you that are here and watching live stream, was there ever a time in your life that you were more passionate or close to the Lord than you are now? If the answer to that question is yes, then we've got some work to do. And that's why I sense, and I, I think if we were all true, all honest, I think most in this room would say yes to that. Not speaking for you, most in this room would probably answer that question yes. Then we've got some work to do. Amen? We've got some work to do. And and we've got we've got to rekindle the fire. The, the flame has died down, perhaps. There's just simply embers. But God says I can do a lot with just a few embers. I, I can take what you have if you'll get serious once again with me and build a wonderful fire. I can rekindle the fire that once 
burned bright in you. It seems like, it seems like these are the days, right? And, and it's the, some, of the, some of this is the times that we're living in, according to the Bible. In 2 Timothy 3, in your notes, it's down further, like after number, point number 2. But I brought it up to address it now so you can look at it. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 says, But understand this, that in the last days, and many of us, many of us believe we're in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be, check this out and see if you can identify personally with any of these different perspectives. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Scripture is admonishing us that there's going to be people like this. See, the challenge to all of us today is not to allow ourselves to get there. Did you hear me? To be so on fire for God and, and so consumed with selfless behavior, surrendered to the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to have our heart and our life and every dimension of that life, spirit, soul, and body, our time, our talents, and our treasures, and our touch. That's the key, is to rekindle the fire. Now, obviously, we, we know, have known people like this for some time, but it seems like it's getting more prevalent in the past few years. People like this. I talked a little bit about the battle we were in back in October when I started to talk about the warfare that we experience and the warfare we're experiencing and the warfare other churches are experiencing here in the city, the warfare Vicki and I experienced in 2018 and the challenges that we faced, the battles that we faced. Sam was here a couple of weeks ago and talked about uh, in the anxiety that he's seen in the global church like he's never seen it before. It's the times that we are living in, folks. A recent article from a guy by the name of Dr. Keith Jackson said, did you know that nearly 10,000 churches close their doors each year? 10,000. And did you know that more than 1,700 pastors are leaving the ministry every month? because they are grossly underpaid, underappreciated, and just plain burnt out. Meanwhile, 3,500 people are leaving the church daily to find a healthier balance between spirituality and success. Success, striving towards success. 
at the expense of their spirituality. According to the USA Today, giving for the local church and charities are at a historical low, even below during the Great Depression. Folks, this ought not be. Thank you, Dan. I said, folks, this ought not be. This, this, something's got to change. Something has to change, folks. We are the church. We have everything we need that pertains to life and godliness at our doorstep. We do not have to be another statistic. It's time, I believe, for every single one of us to reevaluate our spiritual passion and to ask ourselves the question, am I more on fire today than I ever was? And if the answer to that question is no, we got some work to do. As a church, I believe we need to change those trends. Did you hear me? We need to change those trends. We don't, we don't need to just go, yep, that's what's going on. Yep, that's what I'm experiencing. Yep, I'm just like everyone else. No! That was the attitude of the early disciples and the apostles. You and I wouldn't know the Lord today. Listen, every single one of us need to be on fire for God. We need to change the trends. We need to win this battle. We need to fight that fight. We need to reverse the curse that the enemy's trying to use to destroy his church. Amen? We need to turn the tide, turn it around. Those statistics, that anxiety, those battles, we need to win them. We need to be hungry. Come on. Are you hungry for a mighty move of God? Are you just sort of a casual Christian that's like, oh, well, as long as I just go to church or, better yet, watch it online? What are you doing the rest, the other six days? What are you doing with your life? Are you just simply following the trends? I believe every one of us need to be pace setters. We need to set the pace of spirituality and hunger and being on fire for God. We need to defy the odds. Come on. Amen? We need to defy the odds. Talks about all these odds and statistics. We need to, to defy them and not, not buy into them but we need to defy them. We need to get back to the basics in our own personal walk with Christ. We need to be all in. Amen? Not, not just, you know, one foot in, one foot out, riding the fence. We need to be all in. Amen? We need to defeat the lies of the enemy. 
in our lives that causes us to just sort of, it's a Novocaine effect. You know how you go to the dentist and you've got this huge, massive abscess in your mouth and if he, the, the, the dentist even gets near that area, you're screaming. And then all of a sudden they give you this shot of Novocaine or maybe two or three or put some laughing gas on your face or something. And the next thing you know, it's like, man, just pull them all, you know. <laughs> it doesn't bother you anymore. Folks, this stuff should bother you. These statistics should bother you. It should bother you that there are churches all over the city that are struggling to even make it. should bother you when you know people that once was a part of our body is no longer here and they're struggling in their faith. should bother us. should bother us that we personally are not as on fire for God as we used to be. It should bother us. We need to defy the lives of the enemy. We need to return to our first love. Amen? Return. We need to get unstuck. Some of you are stuck. You're stuck in a place of passivity. You're stuck in that just sort of casual Christianity, convenient Christianity. Whoever said Christianity ought to be convenient? This culture that we live in today doesn't like to be inconvenienced. I have to be honest, I found myself falling into that from time to time. Or I don't like to be inconvenienced. And oftentimes I'll, I'll pass on something when I shouldn't have. Can anyone relate? And I believe last, we need to turn up the heat. The word for this year is to rekindle the fire. We need to turn up the heat. Amen? We need to turn up the heat. So how, how do you lose your first love to begin with? How, do, how does that happen? What's some of the things that contribute to that, that you can watch for? Let me give you three common ways. First of all, distraction. Distraction. So many of God's people are consumed with distractions. And sometimes those distractions are good, sometimes they're bad. Like, for example, work or parenting. You know, work. Before you know it, it's work, work, work. And, and you let work take over your life, your spiritual life, too. And you don't have time for the things of God anymore because you have to work, work, work. The parenting, the whole parenting piece, you, your life goes on hold because you have a child and you're parenting. And before you know it, you let yourself slip spiritually. Uh, hobbies, sometimes it's hobbies that just grab a hold of you. And before you know it, you're so consumed with those hobbies that you're distracted from the things of God. It could be just the cares of this world. It could be the lust for other things. Everything has a cost. There's a price tag for everything. 
When you find yourself doing these things at the expense of something that's a greater priority, then it's bad. It's not good. Don't be consumed with things that have little or no kingdom value. It's all right to do them. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I mean, you got to go to work. You have to raise your kids. It's all right to go play golf or skiing or whatever you do for a hobby or fishing. But don't be consumed by them at the expense of something of greater value. Don't allow, allow your life to be just filled with distractions. Why? Because distractions could cost you everything. I remember years ago, I was watching the news and saw a piece on this aerial photographer that had some 3,500 jumps under his belt. He was world-renowned for some of the shots he had taken of formations of groups of people doing, do, doing different things out of an airplane. In this particular time that he jumped out of the plane to get the shots of the others coming out to do this formation, about 15 seconds into the jump, he realized he'd forgotten something very important, his parachute. Now, how many of you know that distract, whatever distracted him that caused him to forget to put on his parachute cost him his life? And I think that same thing is true for all of us. Distractions can cost us dearly. It can cost you your relationship with God. We're going to all stand before the Lord someday and give an account for how we lived our lives, for how we overcame, as the Revelation said, how we overcame those things that tried to so easily beset us, as Hebrews said. How do, how do we overcome them? Did, did they overcome us? Did we fall into their trap or did we overcome? We're going to stand and give an account for that. See, God wants you focused on the kingdom first. Amen? Don't ever lose your passion for Christ. Don't ever lose your divine focus. Don't ever lose. Listen, the book of Proverbs says, wisdom and folly calls out to each of us. Listen, we hear both voices. We hear the Holy Spirit calling us, and we hear the world wooing us. Distractions, trying to get us to compromise and to give in and give up and buy into something, a mindset or an attitude or a perspective that pulls us listen to me, pulls us from the things of God and from our church and from the people that we love and love us. And before you know it, distance happens. You get more distant and distant and distant. And the enemy's got you right where he wants you. The enemy wants to get you separated. It's divide and conquer. Separated from people in your life wants to create separation, confusion, hurt, disappointment, all sorts of things to get you off your spiritual passion. Listen, 
Life is all about choices. Amen? Second way he does this, real quick, is discouragement. So distractions and discouragement. Joshua said, listen, don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. Don't allow yourself to wallow around in discouragement. Why? But because it will steal your first love. It will cause you to sort of back away, back away, back away when you're discouraged. The third one is disappointment. Disappointment. You get disappointed. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Disappointment. Something that you thought should happen or would happen didn't happen, and you get disappointed, and before you know it, you get cold in your heart towards the Lord. And that just grows. You grow further and further and further away from God until you just go through the motions and play church. Your heart's cold. There's really no passion. And you just keep sort of like a robot going through the motions. How many of you know we can't do that anymore? Everyone say, rekindle the fire. It's time to rekindle the fire. Well, what do we do when that happens? Just three basic words that I think are critical to return to our first love. First of all, repent. Repent. Revelation 3.5 said repent twice. It mentions repenting twice. Repent, that means to turn around and go the other way. Repent. Just say, God, I've blown it. I, I've lost my first love. Somehow the enemy has come and sold me a bill of goods, and I have lost that place and that passion that I once had in you. Forgive me. That's repenting. Second, remember. Remember. Revelation said, consider how far you've fallen. Remember what it was like when you first came to Christ? Remember back there. Think about it. I remember when I first came to the Lord, the world looked different. People looked different. I had a better attitude. I trusted people that I didn't trust before. I even liked policemen. <laughs> they weren't my friends <laughs> before, before I came to Christ. <laughs> they always did bad things to me, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just remember. Remember how it used to be? Remember how you used to get up and just spend time with him? Remember how you used to talk about him to your friends, your coworkers? We were at the doctor's the other day, and Vicki and I were sitting with a well-known infectious disease doc. We found ourselves talking about the Lord in our church. Remember when you used to talk about him to other people? Remember when you used to share your faith? Remember when you were so on fire for God that I felt like they had to put you in a cage? <laughs> yeah. We need to rekindle that fire. 
We need to rekindle that fire. And last but not least, we need to renew. Renew. And I'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. Renewal. What, that, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Because Revelation said in verse 5, said, repent and do the first works. Renew it. Go back. Renew what you used to do. Psalm 51 says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and what? Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Go back to the basics. Get back to the basics. Stay hungry for God. Have a search me, O God, attitude. Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my ways. And see if there is any hurtful or offensive or wicked way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. Search me, O God. This year is to rekindle the fire. I believe that God wants to start something fresh and new on the inside of every one of us. I believe he wants to do a fresh new work in this church. I believe he wants to help us find new ways to impact this culture and be the relational church that God's called us to be so that we can truly once again say we do life together even if it inconveniences us. I believe God wants to, to do a fresh work on the inside of each one of us and then a fresh work on the inside of this church together. First, it needs to happen vertically with Him. And then it needs to happen horizontally with others. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Let's pray. Can we take just a minute and sort of shut ourselves off to everyone around us and open our hearts right now to the Holy Spirit? Can each of us just sort of reevaluate re our own passion, our own lives, and ask ourselves the question, was there ever a time that I was more on fire for God than I am now? If you're saying yes, that's true. I'm, I'm, I've slipped. You're not the only one. And if that's you and you'd say, you know, I want to rekindle that fire I once had. I, I want something new and fresh in 2019. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you. All over. Thank you. So, Lord, this, this is the deal here. For those that are here and those that are watching online, 
We're saying business as usual is no longer accepted. We're saying that we want to rekindle the fire. 2019, that's our marching orders. The, the prophetic word that I sensed you speak into my heart is your hunger and desire for me would be seen in 2019. God, we pray for a fresh hunger. Just a, a new, a renewed, fresh hunger for God and for your word and for relationship and for time with you and that closeness, that intimacy. That desire, our desires would be upon you. That it would drive us to a deeper place in you. Pray for every person in this room, God, and those watching. I pray, God, that you take us to a whole nother level this year in our spiritual passion. That we would not be distracted by things that are around us that are good. But that we would be on our game, Father, with you to the point where even though we must do certain things, we are still making you a priority. We're hungry for you. We desire you. Take this church to the place you want it to be, God. God, I don't want to play church. I don't want to just go through the motions. I want to be a church that knows you. Knows you. Just like the Apostle Paul, he wanted to know you. We want to know you, God. So we're saying in one voice, in one accord, please, God, do something special and powerful in each of our lives this year. Start it today. Help us not to be satisfied with being lukewarm. surrender our lives to you today. Can you just tell him that? Just say, I surrender. I surrender my life to you today, God. I ask you to rekindle the fire in my heart. Start something fresh and new this year. Start it today. just take a few minutes and worship together before we go.
And now we are yours and I 